I'm not sure how many of y'all know Milton and Susie. Do any of y'all remember Milton and Susie? They used to be here. They used to, used to call him Uncle Milton. He's about 6'5", and she's about 5'2". And uh, anyways, they were part of the uh, first people that were ever actually at Driftwood back in the day. And uh, got to tell you, uh, pretty cool folks. We actually met them at Calvary Chapel Vero when we were going there on Saturday nights uh, for a while in between stuff. And... Uh, uh, they just kind of started coming to Driftwood uh, right off the bat. And when we were downstairs, down here, uh, most, some of the most godly people that I know, man, spirit-filled, they read scripture together every morning, they're praying all the time, they're supporting missionaries and different causes. I mean, just kind of, you know, again, it's not all dotting your I's and crossing your T's, but these are folks that, man, for years have had a testimony of just doing what God has called them to do. And, and pretty awesome folks. Um, and Milton, uh, he was a actually a, a drill sergeant in the Marine Corps. And uh, big old tall 6'5 guy. And how many of y'all ever had a drill sergeant in the Marine Corps? Any Marines in here? Anybody? Uh, did y'all have drill sergeants in the, yeah, in the Army? And, and how would you describe a drill sergeant, roughly? <laughs> roughly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying to they're breaking you and remolding you. And so this is a tough dude, man. Milton, and he's got little Susie. If you ever, like, you know, she was like the little flower child, man. And uh, I don't know, somehow they all hooked together. Somehow they got saved and lived a glorious life for the Lord. Milton, after, uh, you know, kind of got out of the military and stuff, he became a captain on a, freight, on a cargo ship. Him and Susie owned a cargo ship, and he would take it to Haiti and get supplies, and he would sell them back here. He would go to Nicaragua and buy fish, and awesome business people. I mean, they just kind of did it all. Pretty awesome people, but God continued to bless their lives, and he's continuing to do it now. And I, I got to say this, though. About 17, 18 years ago, what happened is that he was diagnosed with some sort of a... Um, a hepatitis, I believe it was. It was some sort of a, I've heard either hepatitis or a fungus or something that he got in Vietnam that was common to people. I'd also heard that it was common to Asian orange, whatever. But anyways, it was a, a, a disease, something that had to be cleared out of his body. And here's the deal that, here's what, what the, the VA doctors told him in this. I said, we've been dealing with this. We understand this. We, we know this. And there is one treatment for this. If you don't get this treatment, you're going to die within one to two years uh, because basically there's nothing else that can just clean your body out of this. It's just, it's, again, I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I just remember the detail of them telling me that they had a choice. If they didn't do anything, then he was going to die within one to two years. That was about 17 years ago, 18 years ago. But they said, if you do take this treatment, nine times out of 10, the overwhelming evidence of what always happens is if you do take this treatment within 15 years most people develop alzheimer's from this treatment so can you imagine having that if you don't take the treatment and again i'm not blaming military i'm not blaming any i'm just saying these are the facts this is a dude here's the treatment two years if you don't take it or basically once you take the treatment you got about 15 years before you develop alzheimer's so obviously they prayed and God wanted Milton around. And I'm praise God because it was during that 15 years that we got to know them, that he got to be Uncle Milt back when our kids, actually, you know, one time our kids' room was out at the beach and then we realized the liability with all of that. But anyway, it was like, you know, Uncle Milt was awesome with the kids, but, but we've had him during those 15 years. So sure enough, about two years ago, 
Susie, whose, parent, whose father she uh, was a caregiver for, for Alzheimer's, knew the signs, knew what was coming up. She said, Mill's got Alzheimer's. I just know it. Went and got diagnosis, went through the VA, which uh, all of that. And, and sure enough, he really did have Alzheimer's. And he even still came. He was still doing stuff with us, still going out on the boat, still going paddleboard and different things with us. Out to beach day, he probably shoved some of you guys into waves. Uh, you didn't know he had Alzheimer's, but it didn't matter because you all think I do too. But anyways, it, he, he was there, and, and, and it just started getting worse and started getting worse and started getting worse. And, and, and to a point that even people who were denying that it happened now are like, yeah. And so, but if you know anything about Alzheimer's, I'm not an expert on this. But I believe the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia, I'm told, is this, that with dementia, everything just starts dimming. Everything starts going away. But with Alzheimer's, there are compartments in your brain. And so you can actually keep a compartment in your brain for somebody. But other compartments are totally gone. And it might even be for that person, too. There are certain compartments. And um, Milt, for some reason, has kept a compartment in his brain for me. <laughs> and anytime I show up, even back in the day or whatever, and, and yeah, he may lose a little bit of it at some point, and it have to be reminded of who I am and what's going on, but he's kept a compartment for me. And um, just recently, Milton, uh, you know, was getting pretty violent. He's been, and, and that's not his nature. If you know Milton, he's just the sweetest, biggest teddy bear in the entire world. But if you can imagine, little Susie loves him to death, and, and there's no beds. There's no places where you can send them to a VA bed right now. Um, she's been pro promised by every politician, everybody, that, yeah, oh, they're building one in tradition, and it's going to be ready in, this, in, in January. Well, now it's what? It's almost another January. You know, the, the funding, the, the, uh, nothing's ready for any of it, and they can't find a bed anywhere. So little 5-2 Susie has been taken care of, big 6-5 Milton. And she does listen. In fact, one time he was on my boat. The last time he was on boat, because I just take him on the boat and let him just tool around with me, just to get his mind, because he loved the water and loved the boats. And uh, he he grabbed some. He had some black in his hand. And I realized he pulled my rod holder out, <laughs> and he's like this. He said, "I'm gonna beat the blankety blank out." I'm like, "Whoa!" And I thought, "All right, what would Susie do?" I said, "Milton, sit down." <laughs> That's how little two six, five two Susie takes care of him. I, I said, "Milton, sit down." And he said, "Oh." I said, "Where'd you get that?" He said, "Oh, right here." And he put it back. <laughs> And then he grabbed it four more times, all right? But anyways, but little poor Susie, man, uh, there's, there's friends, and um, she's had to Baker Act him a couple of times. Some neighbors have had to Baker Act him a couple of times because he's a big dude, and when he's not in that loving self, when this disease, when this junk takes over, he, he, he just loses it. He was in the hospital, the VA hospital, um, and uh, I'm getting to the point here but of what happened yesterday, but um, he's at the VA hospital and um, doing okay, started to have an episode, doctor came in and he threw a couple chairs at the doctor, so they put him in you know, the psych ward and basically drugged him up, and drugged him up pretty good where he's not really come out of these drugs, and the doctors now believe he probably won't come out of these drugs. So he's kind of laying in bed and just kind of there. I don't, you know, he doesn't recognize a lot, doesn't do a lot. He lays there and it's breaking Susie's heart. And uh, they got him out of another hospital, another one. They've got him off the different drugs. They do holistic medicine also. They do all kinds of stuff. But anyways, bottom line is she's, they're at PSL at the hospital and, um, 
waiting for some kind of a rehab place, some kind of a bed at some kind of VA thing, some kind of Alzheimer's you know, unit, something. But he's at the hospital, and he's going to have to be probably be coming home in the very near, very near future. And she's 5'2", he's 6'5", she can't lift him. So if God's putting it on anybody's heart that when he goes back, and I don't think you have to worry about any violent episodes right now because he's really stuck in bed. And that's kind of where he's at. But she could use some physical help and all that. But I got a phone call yesterday. And the phone call, um, it was or a text message, I'm sorry, it was Susie. And she said, hey, I really need you to come and pray for Milt. I'm really worried he's really bad. And she's been talking about him being worse. But she said yesterday, I, I, he's really bad. I need you to come. And I really didn't know what to expect. And in fact, I went to her house and found out he was still at the hospital. Because last I had heard, they were bringing him home. So I get to the hospital. And I go up there, and they were doing some kind of procedure that they didn't want me to see here or whatever, you know, cleaning them up and stuff. And I'm just listening, man, and I'm, and I'm listening to my buddy Milton, who I've had thousands of conversations with, been in thousands of Bible studies with. We've had discussions. We've prayed together. We've looked at God's Word together. Man, we've joked around. We've been on boats, and I'm listening to him groan and grump, man, and just what's going on with these procedures. Now, he's at the mercy of whatever and it just broke my heart, man. And I'm just praying at the door, saying, God, I need your Holy Spirit to show me what to do. God, I have no idea. And I'm just telling you, dude, that's where we are all the time. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know. I don't want to say just some canned presentation, some words, or hope everything works. God, I need your power of your Holy Spirit to show me what's next. Just help me out in this. And I'm there, and, and all of a sudden, they all left, said, you can come in, and I walk in, and Milt heard my voice. I said, hey, Sue, he heard my voice, and he looked at me. He hadn't really been looking at me, but he just looked at me straight in the eyes, and, I, and they said, I think he just smiled, and, and I do make people laugh sometimes, but, <laughs> not, but anyway, or maybe people laugh at me sometimes, I guess, but anyways, I walked in, and there was a smile, and, she, and Susie's like, he's smiling. And he knows who you are. And I said, yeah, I think I'm still in his brain. And then he opened his mouth and let out a little bit of a laugh even there. And he stuck his hand up. She's like, what's he doing? And, and I walked over. I mean, he's laying in bed and his hand was up. And I went and I just grabbed his hand. He took his other hand. And he grabbed my hand. And we're, we're sitting there with his hands up like this. And he's just looking at me and he's trying to say stuff. You know, to me at that point, man, he's laughing, and I'm just like, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. Maybe I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here, and, and I'm there, and, and, and I've got so many different emotions inside, and all I could really remember, I, I said, Milton, I said, if I had to say one thing about you, I, I can remember about every Bible study we were in. Anybody here, we're in a Bible study with Milton? Anybody? Raise your hand. Emily, you're in a Bible study. Anybody else? He, he, Tom? Here's what Milton would always say in the Bible study. He would say, uh, somebody would do something, and they're like, well, I don't understand why they didn't pray. It's free. <laughs> That's what he'd always say all the time. Why didn't they pray? You know, they go into battle or something. Why didn't they pray? It's free. Or, well, of course they did it right. They prayed, and it's free. And that's what he would always say is, that, man, you pray because it's free. What a great deal prayer is. One of the greatest bargains in the universe. And that's, he'd always talk about that. And I'm holding his hand, and the Holy Spirit, Brother Merrill, said, Milton, I said, I said, man, if I had to think of one thing about you, it's that prayer is free. 
and what a great deal prayer is. And he grabbed my hand even tighter, and he's squeezing my hands. And I said, Milton, I said, no, I know right now you ain't got a lot to do, bro. <laughs> you can't do much right now. But you know what? According to what you used to say, you can do the most valuable thing you used to tell us there is in the world, and that's pray. And I said, this care ain't free. And he laughed again. And, and I mean, he hasn't made any mo. They're like, he's laughing. He's smart. It was the Holy Spirit of God empowering him. And, and, and I'm like, Milton, prayer's free. I said, you ever thought about the fact? And I said, nobody thinks you can do anything right now. I said, but you can pray. And you've always told me what a great deal prayer is. And, and, and I said, Milton, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I've been begging him to show me what to do. And he just showed me. And I said, your ministry in this season of life, Milton, this season of life where he's laying there and he's not drugged up, but he's got the effects of the drugs, they have to flip him over, they have to sit him up, he, they have to do everything for him, period, right now. But the man inside lit up with prayer and the Holy Spirit of God put on my heart that his ministry right now, laying there, is to pray for people. And you know, you don't think that you can do much when you're laying there, when you're paralyzed, when you're crippled, when you're fried, your brain is fried. But the Holy Spirit, the one that lives in us is greater than the one that's in this world. Amen? And, and it, I've never had this happen like yesterday. And it was like, Milton, this is your ministry. Everybody's written them off. And you want to talk about him and Susie were some of the greatest prayer warriors ever that I've ever known in my life. And it's like it's been written off that he can't do that anymore. And he let me know. He wouldn't let. The nurse came back in and wanted to do something. She's like, can you ask him to let go of your hand? And I'm like, I don't think I want to. So well, I really need and, and And he reluctantly did, but he grabbed him right back. And, and, and again, what the Holy Spirit put in my heart was that's his ministry to pray. All he can do is lay there. All he, he can't even roll around on himself on his own. And I don't know what mentally he knows, but I know the Holy Spirit of God told me to share with him that his ministry is prayer. And I said, Milton, if you give me permission, and they're kind of looking at me like, you psycho, he can't give you anything right now. <laughs> you know, but they're starting to see he's got some response. And I said, Milton, if you give me permission, I'm going to bring this to the church tomorrow. And anybody that needs prayer for anything, I'm going to have them text me and give me their prayer requests. And I'm going to give them to Susie, and Susie's going to give them to you, and will you pray? And he just started shaking like this. Can you imagine being trapped in your body? Can you imagine being a, a, a captain, a, a drill sergeant, trapped in your body, a born-again one, a, a charter captain, a captain of a cargo ship, all these things that he's ever done, man. And he's trapped in his body, and everybody's written him off except the Holy Spirit of God. And so when I told him, I said, man, I'm going to bring this to the church, and any one of you, anybody that has, has a, a prayer request, and they want you to pray, and, and that's what I would always joke back with, I would say, what else are you going to do, Milt? What else are you going to do right now? And, and he would just kind of smile and laugh and shake again. And so I'm telling you on the authority of God, <laughs> I, 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 I'm telling you God took this over yesterday, and that's why I'm bringing this to you, because guess what the topic is that we'll be talking about today in the armor of God? Prayer. Man, I'm telling you. So if you do not have my cell phone, and you would like my cell phone number to be able to text me your prayer requests, if you would like to do that, I will 
take them right from the text, and I will send them right to Susie, which has been a confidential prayer warrior of mine uh, for the last eight years. I will send them to her, and her and Milton will begin praying for your requests. And then, of course, you want to let me know how that goes, but man, I think it's a pretty awesome thing. So if you don't have my cell phone number, here's my number. And you can give it to anybody. Give it to your yard guy. Give it to your Give it to anybody. Gavin, you will, I know. <laughs> it's all good. My number is 772-323-5563. And man, as soon as you text it, I'm going to copy and I'm going to paste it and I'm going to send it right over, or however it is, I'm going to send it right over to Susie. And I'm going to have Milton pray. Is that not awesome? So you know, yeah, you can get clap for that. So, so in this, Man, I can't wait to see, as we were just talking, it was just like, Milton, this could be the most valuable season of your life for the gospel. Can you imagine, Steve, is there ever, are you ever too busy to pray? Uh, Yeah, tell me the truth. I don't want your Sunday school answer. I'm a a missionary pastor. Are you ever too busy to pray? Yes, you think. Are anybody here ever too busy to pray? You know what I'm talking about? It's, uh, yeah. This guy has nothing to do but pray, and I know for a fact he can do it. How many of y'all would like him praying for you? Anybody? Y'all, y'all got this? You got this on your own? You don't, need any, you don't need a godly prayer warrior that God is now laid up and stuck in bed praying for you? You don't need that? Man, you do. What an awesome thing. And, 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 and I don't know what other things God wants to do with this, but man, have him pray in here. So anyways, what we're going to see is we're going to see that prayer is kind of the final piece of the armor of God. It's, it's not really officially part of the armor of God, but it is necessary for the armor of God. Hey, Sean, did you get dressed this morning? I used this last week, but did you get dressed this morning? What, did he wear those clothes this bed? And he has he had them on for three or four days? And he put new clothes on today, right? He did? All right, good. I'll, you can vouch for that as his wife. And what did you use to put your clothes on? Your hands, yeah. Can you imagine getting dressed without hands? And I, I, I almost was going to give Marley a challenge, man. I was even going to hold the shirt up and hold it up for him and let him try to finagle and get himself in. Could you, Marley, you think you could work on it and get dressed without hands? Does anybody think you'd get dressed by yourself without your hands? No. And, 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 and in fact, it would be very awkward. Can you imagine somebody trying to... They lay it on the ground, and they're trying to, like, snake their way into their shirt. Can you imagine even attempting? What would it even look like getting dressed without hands? It would look ridiculous and unsuccessful. And that's what it looks like when you try to put the armor of God on without your hands, which is prayer. Pray, it takes prayer to put on the entire armor of God. So because my, not, my job is not to entertain you and not only to just educate you, but my job is to equip you as a saint to be able to have warfare, we are going to go over one more time really quick, and I'm going to try not to go over it too hard, the armor of God, and get all the way through to the bottom where we learn about prayer today for the, for the, um, for the last piece of the armor. So see if you remember all of this. And by the way, if you've heard it already, how many of y'all heard this? How many of y'all heard it more than once? How many are like, oh, I can't believe he's saying this again. It's like, oh, my God. Well, I'm just telling you, just like your mama and daddy had to do, they had to remind you more than once, okay? And this is crucial. 
We have been told our whole life that we're supposed to put on the armor of God. But I fear most Christians don't do it because they don't know what it looks like. And this section of scripture has taught us how to put on this armor of God. So uh, anyways, we'll start. And uh, you remember the very beginning in all of this that when we, uh, Ephesians, we're at the very end of Ephesians. Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 told us we have spiritual wealth. That spiritual wealth can be redefined as, as, um, as, as God's might. It, we have a bucket full of might. If you want sp- everything that comes from heaven it's a, of spiritual wealth, it is God's might. And if we walk in it, which is what chapters 4 and 5 tell us to walk in that wealth, chapter 6 tells us there's going to be what? Warfare. So we've got our wealth, we walk in it, and there's going to be warfare if you do it. That's why many believers don't walk in it, because what happens is as soon as the warfare comes, whoop, I ain't got time for that. As soon as the warfare comes, it's like it's too much for me, and we quit. And the devil keeps us at a level of mediocrity instead of going for what God really wants us to have and being able to use the wealth that he's given us to have a a non-compromised walk with him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. So we have our spiritual wealth. When we walk in it, we will encounter spiritual warfare. It is guaranteed. Not a hurricane watch. It is a hurricane warning. It is actually here. It's coming. So, super quick, he starts in verse 10, and he says, finally, that's what I'm telling you today, finally, we are going to be done with the armor of God. How many of y'all remember way back weeks ago when we started? (laughs) I think you guys came for the first time, right? And you're like, I'm just coming again. You guys drove all the way first, like, I'm coming again. Just see if he can actually finish this, you know? (laughs) All right? Finally, Paul's saying, and, and what he says is really, it's a therefore. Because you have that wealth, because you're walking in it, you need to be prepared for warfare. Finally, be strong. Everybody, let me see your guns. I was like, be strong. All right, come on, help me out. One, two, three, be strong. Uh, And and that's what we do. That's what we've done with the armor of God. Be strong. Okay, how many of y'all have held in there, held in there, held in there, in your own strength, in your own power? How many of y'all have ever been spiritually worn out because you were being strong in your own power? Anybody? Besides me. Besides me. Yeah, because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Be strong. I'm being strong, God. And instead, what he's taught me this time around at 60 years old is that now I knew I wasn't supposed to do it in my own power, but I didn't know what it looked like to do it in his. But he says, be strong in the Lord. I knew that. How do I be strong in the Lord? And in the strength of, what's the last words? His might. He's got a bucket of might, and that is my wealth. And I get in that bucket, dude. Anytime I find myself out of his bucket, not in his might, dude, I'm going to get my tail kicked spiritually if I'm doing anything. But when he says in the strength of his might, you don't need his strength of his might. You don't need the strength until you're doing something for God. You ever, you ever been at a phase of your life, a season where you're not doing anything for God? And do you ever notice the devil really kind of leaves you alone? Especially if you wear Christian t-shirts and have Christian bumper stickers, right? He kind of leaves you alone. Right? Because you represent Christ and you're doing nothing. <laughs> you're, you're safe. It's a cool place to be in the world. You're doing nothing. It's like, oh, okay, so I'm Christian. I get to hang out with all the nice people. And my kids are with nice. I get to do, well, until I meet the bad people in that church. And then I'm going to a different one. And then, you know, so we're, we're, we're hanging out on that level of spiritual mediocrity. But then you get challenged by the Holy Spirit of God through a message, through a devotion, through something. Just take a step forward. Man, I'm going to do that now. 
I'm going to walk with God for real. I'm going to really do this and trust faith. And who's the first person to attack you? Satan, through this world system and the flesh that we live in when we're not walking in the Spirit. The attacks will come as soon as you try to get to the next level. So finally, be strong in his might. You've got to stay in his might. And you won't need his might, and you won't need to be strong until you actually do something. If you never do anything for the Lord, you don't need it, man. But once you step out, you're going to need his might. Hey, when y'all stepped out from being pastors and going out full-time missionary, raising support, going planting churches, making disciples that make disciples, and however else you want to do it, hey, did you need his might? Yeah, you need his might. You probably need it at your other pastorate, but not as much as you need it now, right? <laughs> you need his might when you step out to do things for him. And, but yet, this builds your faith. This is an awesome thing. Would you take, would you go back? You wouldn't go back. No, people look at you like, but, but back then you had, you had. And it's like, dude, you can't even, you know, it's like, yeah, but I've got God 24-7 contact. I'd rather have him and have him doing supernatural things through my life and give him the credit than have him doing absolutely nothing that I recognize in living in comfort. I'd rather have that. And I think that's what the Bible teaches. Go, go talk to the Apostle Paul. Hey, how many church uh, you know, search committees you think would hire the Apostle Paul? <laughs> you get his resume. It's like, dude, this guy causes trouble. You've been in jail? Yeah, a few times. You start riots? Yeah. Oh, shipwreck, bit by snakes? Oh, yeah, we want a pastor that's going to not rock the boat. You sink the daggum boats. <laughs> but honestly, if guy don't sink a boat, how are you going to get rescued? How's he going to do something so supernatural he can't get blamed? But yeah, we want that. No, I don't want my boat rocked. <laughs> I get seasick real easy, you know. And God's like, well, I got a barf bag for you, and then you can get over it. But put on the whole armor of God, he says. So here's what we do. We put on the whole armor of God. How much armor? All of it. Because the very piece you leave open is the place you're going to get attacked. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And again, all I want to say here, we preach for weeks on all this. Schemes is the word that we, uh, the Greek where we get the word methodology from. The devil has a methodology for each of us. He's got a shotgun approach, but man, he's also got a rifle approach. He knows, Jack, he knows what your weak point is. He knows what baby has to dangle in front of your face to get you walk away from God. He knows what we need, what he's got to throw out there to get us to not trust God. How many of y'all know you got some strongholds, weaknesses? You got some weak areas? In fact, you should because, in fact, when Jesus was asked how to pray, he said, yeah, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. God, here's my weakness. Help me overcome this weakness. Help me be aware of my weak spot so that I can be defended against that weak spot instead of just continuing to get blindsided, right? So he's put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the devil's specific plan for your life. And his plan, I'll tell it to you in a nutshell, is steal, kill, and destroy you. Everything about it. Especially if he knows he can't have you for eternity, he wants to make your life miserable here. Now, uh, Paul goes on to say, uh, uh, you know, there, the, the devil has an elaborate system of evil, <laughs> a hierarchy of evil. And you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're being attacked by a principality, by a governor that's that's a, run by Satan. It doesn't matter, you know, it's a political system, whatever. He said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. 
against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So here's what he's saying, that in heaven or, or in, in the world we can't see, there's Satan. And Satan has created a world system that our flesh loves. And that's what we're fighting against, an entire system. But we have victory already if we will walk in that victory. And so you're fighting somebody bigger than you. So when you're outside of God's might, what's your chances of winning, Sean? You got any chance of winning outside of God's might? No. You are like that little mosquito landing on my arm, and bam, the enemy can smash you in, 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 at all times when you're outside of God's might. But inside of God's might, greater is the one in us than the one that's in the world. Inside his might, Dude, nothing's going to happen to you unless it's by God's design, and it's for two purposes. One is for our good, which means we become more like him, and the other is for God's what? And God wants glory in all of this. Dude, that's what I was praying yesterday in the middle. God, get glory out of this. God, get glory out of this. Would it not? You, you understand what's going to happen in heaven. As best we know, we're studying Revelation on Monday nights, and we're looking at the, how Christ is revealing himself to encourage the church. And what we see in Revelation, I want to say it was in chapter 5 and then again in 8, we see that the prayers of the saints are worship to God. So every time you, are, you need God, God, I don't know how to do it. God, I'm kind of sad about this. God, I'm, I'm, or even if it's, it's a good thing, God, I'm pretty stoked about it. Whenever you pray to God and show your dependence on him, it's worship to him. He wants you to depend on him. He wants you to need him. He wants you to trust him. Any prayer you throw up as you pray, you know the only reason you're praying is because God gave you grace. Before you need God to have a spiritual prayer, you have God's grace, and you pray and ask God for something. And you understand that angels, according to the book of Ephesians, are learning about God's grace through how they see you respond. Every time Bob does something awesome, it's like, oh, dude, that wasn't Bob. That was God. Yeah! And it's not only here. We get a Stephanos, not a diadem like Christ's crown. We get a Stephanos crown for victory. Bob, when you do something godly, who gets credit for the victory? God does, not you. So the Stephanos is God. And then not only is there celebration in heaven right now when you do something good. Like some of y'all are like, yeah, dude, my stomach's rumbling and I'm paying attention. There's celebration in heaven right now over that. I'm just saying, because you're like, yes, God, by your grace, I will pay attention and I will hear what you want me to hear. But later in heaven, I think that's what a good part of heaven is, is that Anytime God brings something up awesome, everybody throws their, everybody worships. So it's like, oh yeah, and on such and such a date, Sam did this. And, it, and, and, and Sam's like, yeah, and it was only because of God. And Sam takes his crown off, his Stephanos, and throws it down at Christ's feet and says, thank you for the victory. And it gets celebrated again and again. And so every victory you have is because of who? God, Christ, yeah. And he, that's all we do is celebrate those victories. So next time you're making a decision, well, it doesn't matter what I do. Well, dude, don't be robbing angels and all of them of, of, of having a celebration right now. And don't be robbing me because I'm going to be in heaven because of Christ and I want to celebrate. And there'll be plenty to celebrate, but wouldn't it be cool? And Emily, on this date, oh, wait, let me show you the video of this, right? 
<laughs> How many of y'all got some videos for people to see in heaven like, oh, dude, they're, they're totally messed up. God, I thought this was going to be a highlight reel, man. <laughs> this is a blooper reel. How many of y'all got some blooper reels that are going to be shown in heaven? And then it turns into a highlight reel like, oh, and everybody goes, praise God. And you're throwing the crown down. Yep, you saw what I was capable of, and you're throwing the crown down. Don't be robbing people of the chance to worship God with your poor, uneducated, apathetic decision to just do what your flesh wants to do. Amen? So it says, man, take up the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, to stand firm, stand therefore. Now we got into the armor of God. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of what? What kind of belt is it? Yeah. How many of y'all got a belt on right now? Anybody got a belt on? What happened? Honestly, is, it, is your belt, Gavin, all right, is your belt a fashion statement or is it a practical statement? Yeah, dude, what happens if, you got your, if your belt comes off? It's all messed up. Everything's just all loose and discombobulated, right? Yeah, you don't I mean, our belt of truth, many Christians treat it as a fashion statement. Oh, it's popular to be a Christian, so I'll be a Christian, and here's my fashion statement. I'm a Christian. But guess what happens when there's persecution? When there's persecution, all the people using Christianity as a fashion statement, dude, they get rid of their belt of truth. They go take a belt of whatever the world has to offer that's going to be popular. But us, dude, we need that belt. How many of y'all need your belt? <laughs> yeah. I, we need some to hold it all together. And that's what the belt of truth is. It was a belt they put on to hold their tunic together. Tuck the corners of my tunic, hold it all together so now I can fight. I mean, can you fight if your belt gives out? <laughs> you got your pants down around your ankles? How, how hard is that to fight? You know what I'm saying? You need it all together. But he says the belt that holds it all together for us is the belt of what? Yes, begins with a T and ends with R-U-T-H. What is it? The belt of? Truth. And it's God's truth. The only truth. That's what holds it all together. That's why we've got to be a student of his word. Every one of these pieces of armor have to do with truth. If you don't know God's word, you're going to be a crummy warrior. <coughs> Jack, Jack's a good hunter, right? <coughs> you're a good hunter, man. Anybody that can get deer with antlers on public land these days is a good hunter, right? Yeah. But have you studied hunting? You haven't studied hunting? Uh, I'm not talking about with books, dude. Every time you go out there, you process what you did. Yeah, you study hunting, dude. You do. Just because it ain't a course in class. You could teach one, but every time you take your experiences and you add those and you look, you, you, you know much about bullets? You know much about arrows? That's why you work at Lotus, right? <laughs> it's a good thing. But you study it, right? You know that. Because that's important to be able to harvest food for your family. By the way, that's why Jack does hunt. If you ever go over to their house, dude, and they're not home, their whole yard's full of a garden. It's all edible, man. So just pull up a lounge chair, eat some snacks, and wait for them to get home, all right? Right? <coughs> Plenty of them, man. But that, that they eat all the food, they harvest it and all that. But you study that, right? We study a lot of things, don't we? How many of y'all are good at something because you studied it? Anybody? Me, yeah, Gavin, you're, that's why we kind of get along, because I'm one of those people that once I get into something, dude, I got to learn everything there is about that particular thing. And then once I get it and I kind of got it wired, now I'm moving on to the next one and the next one, except with the Word of God. Dude, how important is it for us to study and know the Word of God? It's the most valuable investment we can make. 
And not just knowing it, like, not, remember last week? Not knowing like a butterfly where you stick your skinny little leg in and you pull off a little bit of pollen. Not like a botanist where you theologically know all this and do this, but you don't do anything with it. You shut the book up and walk off. We got to know it like a bee, right? Y'all remember what a bee was? The bee man. How, how many of y'all are a bee? Dude, you just dive in with your short, fat little legs, man. And when you come out, you're covered with pollen, right? That's how we got to know God's word. Like the bee. It, it, it's, it's, it's our instruction. It's our truth. The belt of truth holds everything together. You can have all the other armor, but if you ain't got a belt, what's going to happen? It is not held together. You've got faulty armor. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, so the belt of truth is saying, you know what? I'm going to fight for God. I am going to live for God today. I make the commitment to live for God. But the next piece, again, was a breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate covers your, your guts and your heart. It covers your feelings and your emotions. And boy, if there was anything the world wanted to lie to us about today, how many of y'all heard the world, uh, whether it's on Oprah or wherever, I'm just saying, Oprah ain't got a show no more anymore. Oprah and Springer ought to put a show together. We'll come back. But, you know, but anyways, but have you ever heard the world say, oh, go with your gut? Ooh, I went with my gut. I went with my gut. Yeah, Dude, Bible says don't go with your gut. <laughs> it says don't go with your gut. That's your emotions. You make a lot of bad decisions with your emotions. And, or, oh, follow your heart. Follow your heart. There's Christian devotion saying that garbage. When the biggest Christian devotion the, is the Bible and the book of Jeremiah and Jeremiah, what does he say about your heart? Anybody know? It's pathetic, it's wicked, it's deceiving, it's, it's more wretched than any part of you. Anybody telling you follow your heart that claims that's Christian? It is not. It is straight out of the pit of hell. But that's all Satan ever wants to do is counterfeit. Follow your feelings and follow your heart. How does that sound like daytime TV? Only time I know that's whenever I go to the tire store and I got the TV on, man. I'm like, dude, is this what people do? I have a job, watch all day, or work at night. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm just like, oh my goodness. Follow your heart, follow your mind, follow. No, dude, what do we follow? Christ. The best way to fight the devil is to follow God. And you've got to start with, the, the, with truth. Truth is where it's at. And so that breastplate, he says, man, you make commitment to follow God. And if your emotions try to get you to do something different, don't go with them. Your heart tries to get you to go do something different, don't go with it. And later he says, if your thoughts try to get you to do something different, don't go with it. Don't do it. Gavin, I'm thinking of whenever you've lost a disc in disc golf. And you're not the only one I know in this room that's lost a disc, right, Trent? Uh, I'm just saying. But dude, Gavin, he throws forehand. And he had an eternal destroyer, but he finally killed the eternal destroyer. It's in the water somewhere. But, but he's had that for a long time. Dude, when Gavin does everything like he's supposed to, he's unbeatable, dude. I'm like, I, I, I taught the guy, got him going. I'm like, dude, he's going to beat me today. <laughs> this is not right. No, but anyway, I'll get him on the short game. But, no, but here's what I count on. Not that I'm in competition with you, but I'm watching. When you throw it the way you're supposed to, dude, you just, that, bat, that forehand, I watch it go, and it's just like a bullet, and it's like, oh, he's pin high. And then I watch him not think, <laughs> and it goes, or, or, hey, remember that one you threw, Devin, that one time? Uh, you are like, oh, throw it like this, and it was like, whoop, in the lake, right? You know, whenever you lit up, man, when I watch you kind of lit up, you know, 
What happens when you lit up? You think too much first. And you're like, I think I'm going to lit up. And you just throw it. And all of a sudden it goes up and it's like a helicopter that's run out of, of what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's whatever that is called. It has got none of that. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's up there. Now it's at the mercy of the wind. And I did find out from Devin, the helicopter usually goes straight down. Your disc does not. It catches the wind. Once it's up there, and it's like, and I'm like, oh, there goes another one in the water. (laughs) You're not the only one. I'm just picking on you right now because I love you, man. But you've seen it. How many times have we seen that? How many times? Two more times than we'd like to admit. Oh, he does. He's got new ones. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Four new ones. Yeah. Just don't think. No, <laughs> no. But seriously, when he's got it all in tune, it's a beautiful thing to watch. But every time you kind of lit up, you go. And, and I asked, why'd you do that? Well, I was thinking, and I, I felt like, and in my heart, <laughs> in my heart, I saw the wind and all that. It's like, no, don't. Just throw it. What happens if you second guess a shot, Jack? You're going to miss. Not probably you're going to, and you're going to lose an arrow. It's going straight in the ground, man. And now you've got to explain to your wife why you need to buy a whole other set of six arrows, right? Because they don't sell just one. Well, maybe you can get them. But anyways, so look, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, go. The truth has to, you cannot let your emotions, you cannot let your thoughts, you cannot let your feelings hijack the truth. You can't let it happen, and that's what we do here. Then he says, as uh, shoes for your feet, having the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel gives us peace with God. Romans 6 says we are born enemies to God. Contrary to what you think, you're an enemy to God when you come into this world. And he says you need to be born again to be at peace with God. You're at war deserving his wrath, and when Christ's righteousness is applied to you, now you have peace. And how long you got peace for, y'all? Forever. And in the middle of the war, if the enemy can get you to doubt your salvation, whoo, if he can get you to doubt your salvation, man, get you to wonder, am I really a believer? Am I really, is this real? Am I really going to heaven, or is this a figment? If he can get you to doubt, then you can be discouraged. And it's like flushing a toilet. The rest is history. You're going down. You've got to dig in. You've got cleats like the Roman soldier, like the football players today. Who y'all playing today? Philadelphia, who y'all playing? Pittsburgh. Oh, that's no problem. Pittsburgh better bring their cleats, huh? <laughs> if they don't bring their cleats, what's going to happen to Pittsburgh, man? They're going to get slid all over the field. What's going to happen to you if you don't bring your cleats? You get slid all over the field. And the 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 gospel of peace he said it's your helm it's your it's your feet you're dug in we'll get to the helmet in a minute so you'll be dug in look at the next part in all circumstances when all circumstances as you so here you are you've got i'm gonna make a commitment now i'm gonna make a commitment and and i'm gonna follow god and whether my emotions or or my feelings get in the way i'm gonna still follow and i'm dug in I'm dug in, and it's, I'm not going any different because I do believe what God said is true. Y'all believe what God said is true? So look, here's what happens. There, here's God's plan in a nutshell for you. You're saved, which means you're not going to hell. You're as close to hell as you're ever going to be, right? You're saved, period, and you're going to heaven. How many of y'all believe that? How many find that hard to believe, but you still believe it? <laughs> Isn't it awesome? So is that ever going to change? How many of y'all know that when you get to heaven, you're going to be glorified and you're going to be perfect? 
I want you to look at the person next to you and say, no, don't do that right now. Look at somebody way across the room and say, boy, God's got a lot of work to do on them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Seriously, how many of y'all, it's hard to believe, but you believe when we get to heaven, we're going to be perfect, heaven's perfect, God's perfect, everything's going to be perfect. How many of y'all believe that? Isn't that awesome? We're saved and we don't deserve it. Everything's going to be perfect, including us. We don't understand it, but it's true. Do you believe that? That's the shield of faith. That's, what, that's the feet, the shoes that give you traction to know that. But here's where it's hard to know it, right in the middle where we're living is this process called sanctification. It's where he's taking, it's boot camp, dude, where he's taking little high school kids that think they know everything and breaking them to teach them, you don't know Jack, and we're going to teach you what we need to teach you so you will be an effective soldier while you're here. We're in boot camp. So in this middle, this process of sanctification, this is where whatever we have going on in our life, he's put it there to make us more like him. It's an opportunity to please him. It's an opportunity to become more like him. And when that happens, we don't get credit. He gets credit. This is what we got to remember because we don't have a problem with the salvation and the glorification. We have a problem right in the middle of sanctification. Isn't that right, Benjamin? You ever have problems with this sanctification process? Yeah. Man, this sanctification process is tough. But he's got it. You can't. That's your shield of faith. So in all circumstances, you know what? Boss comes in, Chris, tomorrow and says, hey, we're going to change things again. <laughs> You better break up that shield of faith. That's a circumstance worthy of a shield of faith. Oh, hey, I'm going to get I'm going to get a job and and it's going to do all this and then all of a sudden it ain't what they said it was going to be and I'm not just, you know, I heard that's what happened to you, but anyways, shield of faith, boom. Hey, this isn't affecting my salvation or my glorification. All this is doing is giving me an opportunity to become more like God. Amen. So I'm going to get me a different job. <laughs> you can do that. Whatever's going on, every situation in our life is there to make us more like God. That's that sanctification. So in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Anytime you get a fiery dart shot at you, Judy, you got a, a dart with tar and pitch on fire shooting at you. Do you just like, oh, come and get me? No, because it's going to hit you, mess you up, and it's going to splatter all over Amy and Tom and the people behind you. So how important, if it's going to splatter on everybody, how important is it for you to take up the shield of faith? When that tough circumstance comes in your life, man, for your family's sake, for your friend's sake, for everyone that you know that's around you for their sake, no, I'm still saved, I'm still going to be glorified, and God has put this in my life to make me more like him. And you talk real big like that, and you should. And then you go back down in your prayer closet and say, God, but I'm terrified, and I don't know what, God, give me strength. And then he gives you strength, and then you come back out with even more gumption in knowing this process of sanctification is good. Why do you think he's doing it? It's not, in Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if he doesn't give you a situation that requires faith, how are you going to ever please him? He's not only giving you the situation. How many of y'all got a situation that requires faith right now? Anybody? Ben, you got a situation that requires faith right now? Put your hand up, please, man, back there. All right, thank you. I, I'm, I can start picking all of y'all out now because I know I'm in your life, man. <laughs> I got connections, man. No, I'm just no, but I got better than internet, man. And plus, I've been praying for you guys. You got a situation that requires faith. It's not there to beat you down, make you like Eeyore, even if that's your nature. And you don't have to be Tigger and pretend either. What you got to do is you go to God and say, God, how can I please you in this? Give me faith 
to hold out, to trust you and please you, not, not only in what I'm doing now, but in the result. Because sometimes what we do is we have preconceived ideas on how it's supposed to all end, isn't it? You were supposed to already have a quilting club place, weren't you? Man, they took your, cool, your Christian quilting club place away, and we have prayed, didn't we? And you don't have another place, do you? That's not the way you were planning this. But I know, that's good. And that's the way we got to be because God's plans are way better than ours. Whatever you want, God. That's awesome. Man, somebody might have stuck their finger with one of them quilting needles and had to get it cut off. They, look what God saved you from. I'm just saying, I don't know. I'm just saying. We let God determine the result. And don't get upset when we make result. We, may, we come up with a result and say, okay, God, this is how it's got to work out. No, God, whatever you want to do, your boss, you get glory out of this. So whenever the devil throws, shoots a flaming dart and it hits you and, or it's coming at you, pull up the shield of faith and say, no, man, it's a lie. No, man, God, this is not God's purpose. This is God's purpose. You remember God's purpose. You remember God's power. You remember why God's allowing this in your life. I'm going to plead. This is an opportunity to please God. Go ahead. Shoot some more, baby. This is an opportunity. And just hold on to that one verse in, in, um, in Hebrews. Take another one, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. How about this? No temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tested above that you are able. But with the temptation, he will make a way for you to escape. Hey, here's my shield of faith, dude. Boom. Go ahead, shoot another one. And you're, meanwhile, you're looking for God's way to escape. You're looking for his rabbit hole that you're crawling out from under or his way to walk out of this, not trying to come up with your own in all of that. So you find those Bible verses. You find those. You know why I can quote that verse so good? Because I have had to for 20-something years. I quote it every day when I'm faced with something that I feel like I'm being overwhelmed with. And I quote it, no temptation taken me, but such is common to man. But God's faithful. He will not allow me to be tempted more than what I'm able. But with, his with this temptation that God is in charge of, I have a way to escape. And by the way, again, that word temptation, that word uh, uh, test, God does the testing, Satan does the tempting, we do the trusting. It's as simple as that. So man, in all circumstances, take up that shield and you will extinguish you will extinguish. It's not like, like Judy's got a metal shield and she can deflect it and hit Amy and Tom instead. You know, that wouldn't be very good, would it, Amy? <laughs> you want that fiery dart extinguished, especially if she's going to be hanging out with you while she's here, right? Yeah, extinguish it. It, it, it. And it extinguishes, what's the next word after extinguish? Oh, oh no, here comes one of those things that Satan throws at us that God's word will not work for. Is that true, April? extinguishes them all. That's your shield of faith. The flaming darts of the evil one. Um, and then he says, take on the helmet. Helmet protects what part of your body, y'all? Your head. How many of y'all are head case? How many of y'all know a head case? I'm not saying you're married to one. I'm just saying, how many of y'all know of a head case? And you hang out with head cases, right? And maybe you see that head case in the mirror a lot. I don't know. I'm just saying. How many of y'all ever get in your own head and are, the, are your worst enemy? Yeah, I'm there. In fact, I got to say, in preaching this, this is, where God, this is where God has allowed the enemy to attack me, the strongest, in preaching this armor of God is with this helmet. He's been getting in my head, and I'm going to tell you the only way I can get the enemy out of my head is by getting God in my head. And it's not by even me just quoting verses back or listening to a podcast or, you know, 
do you know where, how I can get the enemy out of my head? I open up the Word of God and I read it. The Word of God is live. It is relevant. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the thing that's alive. The podcasts help. The, the sermons help. The little devotionettes help. All these little things help. Keep your mind on. But there is nothing better than jumping in the actual Word of God, whether it's on your phone or it's in paper. I ain't talking about that. I'm just saying you. Sit down, Tiny. Just sit down, man, and read the Word of God. You remember when Jacob was wrestling with the angel? He was tired of being a shyster, man. He is tired of being a jerk, always trying to see people. And, and God wanted to change his life, and he's wrestling with the angel. They're wrestling all night long, y'all. Remember that story? And, and in there, the angel's like, hey, which is probably Christ. I'm not going to argue about that or whatever. But he said, hey, I got to go. Sun's coming up. And what did Jacob say? I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go till you do what? Bless me. You know when you stop reading the Word of God? When he blesses you. You dig in, you read, you read, you read, you read. You go take a Bible bath, not a bubble bath, man. You go open it up the Word and you just start reading. And again, you can listen to the podcast. You can listen. Ooh, and, and, and that's all dessert. You need some meat. You go in and read. He doesn't say the podcast is anointed, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Only when the guy's talking about Christ or, or the message... But you know what's sharper than any two-edged sword? What's relevant, what's alive for you is the Word of God. You open it up and start reading. I'm not saying don't do these other things, but man, do you remember what Billy Graham said at his death? At his death, he said, I wish I would have read more of the Bible than books about the Bible. The Bible is what God said is, is anointed. That Word of God, read it. Man, the helmet of salvation, that's the only way Oh, yeah, people talk to me. Oh, I'm praying for you. Awesome. Please keep praying. All these things mean everything to me. But it's not, in fact, in Hebrew, uh, not Hebrews, it's in Romans chapter 12. Anybody know that? Chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and all that. Uh, I beseech you, my brethren, because God's been so merciful to you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice to him. That's your reasonable service of what he can do for you. And he says, and then the next part, I think he says, we do it by re the renewing of our what? Our mind. The renewing of our mind. We renew our mind, not again with shows on TV, movies. We renew our mind with the Word of God. You may be like, but I'm thinking of Bible stuff. I'm thinking and I'm praying. You know, praying is you talking to God. God's Word is God talking to you. And, and so again, we've got... Man, you've got to take that word of God in. Sit down. I ain't got time for that. Well, there's your problem. There's your priorities right there. I, nobody's got time. No. And I'm going to tell you, your two greatest weapons you have is the word of God and prayer. And there's never going to be two other times where Satan fights you the hardest. Because all the rest is defense where you're just sitting back getting hit, right? But you need that word of God and prayer to be even have that good defense. Take the helmet of salvation. That's where the discouragement and doubt come. You start getting discouraged, you start doubting God's goodness. You start doubting God's goodness, you get more discouraged. You get more discouraged, you doubt, and all of a sudden, go at your house and flush an empty toilet and just watch the water. That's what's happening with your mind right there. Doubt and discouragement. You go flush that toilet, then go somewhere and open up the Word of God and start reading it. 
I don't even care where you go. Gavin, the other day you were telling me we were playing disc golf. He's like, yeah, man, I go and, you know, I got this, you know, I'm not going to tell everybody what it is, but everybody's like, man, he's like, he's like, I just need to reopen the word of God up, man. I stuck my finger in and opened it up. Did it work? Yeah, it worked. Dude, God's in charge or even where you stick your finger in. Amen? <laughs> just do it. Let him do it. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is 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 what we do, how, is what we need to put on. Every piece of armor is found in the sword of the Spirit. Super quick on the sword of the Spirit. It's not a big giant sword. It's a Machaira sword, a short sword that basically would be used in hand-to-hand combat, not only in defense, but in offense. But you, can you imagine if you, if you had a big four-foot sword, would you have to be really skilled in using that or just strong? Probably just strong, you know. I'm swinging this big sword. You know, nobody's getting within four feet of me, right? <laughs> but if you've got a little sword and you're going to be effective, dude, you better have some skill in using that, right? And how do you get skill? Anybody ever watch the movie Zorro? Anybody like Zorro? Dude, what a great movie, Zorro, man. And I'm not saying about theologically correct and all that, but Zorro. Dude, how did Zorro get good with his sword, man? Oh, man, he practiced. And, dude, he had all these diagrams. He had all the techniques, man. He put more. If you imagine if we put as much effort into the spiritual sword as Zorro put into the physical sword? Dude, how good would you be, man? I'm just saying. And all, what else you got to do? There's my question. What else do you have to do? Well, you don't. Start listing everything else you have to do. And I know we got a lot to do. Our bosses are giving us deadlines. We have self-imposed deadlines. We have commitments we've made. But you tell me, you make your list of what else you got to do. Put it all down. Put all that down. And then put the word of God. And you tell me which one's going to be more valuable. You tell me which ones you can get rid of. Tell me which ones that maybe you, don't, you can't get rid of and you don't have time for. But maybe one of them is sleep. And that's where you got to put that in. Tell me what investment is going to be more valuable and last longer than your investment in the Word of God. And it can be just opening it and reading it. Man, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, here we go, man, new stuff. I told you it wasn't going to take but an hour to get to the new stuff. Now, <laughs> but look at this, praying. Praying's your hands, man. And every time you get dressed in the morning, dude, I'm serious. Or at night, maybe you get home and you're going to like change into more comfortable clothes or whatever. Every time you use your hands to, to, to deal with your clothes, I want you to think of the armor of God. Your hands are prayer. And, and, and that's how you put on. How are you going to make a commitment to following the truth if you don't do that? How are you going to get help to block, to not let your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts hijack what God wants you to do. How are you going to do that if you don't pray? You're going to pray. How are you can't even read the word of God without prayer. You shouldn't read the word of God without prayer because the Holy Spirit who lives in you is the author. And so in here, he says praying. Uh, what is prayer, y'all? Give me a simple definition. Prayer is what? Talking to God. So you understand this, Philippians, we talked about this in, uh, in, in Wednesday night Bible study. Philippians, Paul, he's in jail there. And chapter 4, starting in actually verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 5, he goes on and he says, oh, hey, you know, let your reasonableness be known to everybody. <laughs> you know what that means? 
Let your reasonable, have you had, a, how many of y'all had a moment this week where you were unreasonable? Uh, yeah, the rest of y'all are liars, man. <laughs> just, how many of y'all, how many of y'all could justify that unreasonableness? Because if you knew what they did, or you know what the circumstance, or you know, hey, wait, who designed that circumstance for you? God. And God says in Philippians to the Apostle Paul, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Oh my goodness, JT, I'm not a prophet, don't have the gift of prophecy, but if by some reason, oh, I don't even want to say it, if the Steelers actually won, would your gift of reasonable, would you need prayer to be reasonable? <laughs> even in your own head, man, I'm saying. Florida State won, fortunately, yesterday, by good. Too bad y'all can't take those extra points and apply them to other games. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> but uh, we won by average, right? But reasonableness. And then he goes on to say, be anxious for nothing. That's the rest of that sentence. So you're being asked to be reasonable in a situation that is unreasonable. <clears throat> that doesn't give you a no-hold-barred excuse to just do whatever you want. Instead, in Philippians, he says, be anxious about nothing. If it's bringing you anxiety, he says, be anxious about nothing but pray. So when you have anxiety, you're either talking to somebody else, well, blah, 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 or you're talking to your own head. You know, how many of y'all talk in your own head and create, make mountains out of molehills, right? You always solve it in your head, right? No, it gets bigger. When you're talking to yourself, he says, pray. So instead of talking to yourself, who do you talk to? God. The difference between prayer and worry is who you're talking to. So the very situation that's causing anxiety, the very conversation you're having with yourself or your spouse or your friend or your coworker. Imagine a coworker, we have an anxiety and they're not even a believer, and you say, you know what? Philippians 4, 6 says we're supposed to pray. Let's let us bow. <laughs> and we pray. What if the world really thought we believed in prayer? <laughs> Do we really believe in prayer? He said, whenever you have anxiety, that thought, turn it into a conversation with God. Now it's not worry anymore. What is it? It's prayer. Man, now you're spiritual. Before you were carnal. All you have to do is change who you're talking to. It's prayer. And he, says, and he goes on in there and he says, with supplication. That's telling God what you'd like to see happen in the matter. What, what I'd like God to do. What I would like to see, what I'm thinking. That's what we were talking about Wednesday night. All the people who were following Moses were like, and we know, this is the second time they said it, we know you led us out here in the middle of the wilderness to kill us all with starvation. How many of y'all think that was Moses' plan? <laughs> no, but the two million people thought so. They raised stone him this time if they would have taken their anxiety and talked to God. God, what do we do about this guy? He's leading us out here to kill us with starvation and thirst. You think God might have straightened out their thought a little bit? Now, wait a minute. Do you really think that's why he's leading? He's leading you where I am. Hey, do you think maybe I'm the one leading you out here and I'm the one who's trying to build your faith by stretching you a little further? You see what I'm saying? By supplication. But who? Hey, how many of y'all ain't got time for that? I don't have time to sit down and talk to God about my whole situation. Again, Write down all the things you got down that you got to do, and then write down that right under the Word of God, and then you look at that list and determine what's more important. That's what happened. Dude, the pilgrims back in the day, four computers, <laughs> they, look, they would look at our lifestyle and what our devotion to Christ was, they probably wouldn't even think we're saved, dude. <laughs> I mean, they, they spent days praying. They spent nights praying. They spent, we live in an instant society, and, and I think this world system has got us so trained that we want these little instant 
God grams, these little instant things to be able to solve everything when God wants intimacy. I ask you this, if you spend as much time with your spouse as you do God, would you still be married? (laughs) If you spend as much, uh, if you were as faithful to your spouse as you are to God, would you still be married? And that's for you married folks, but you, you know what I'm saying. Praying. So praying is simply doing what? Talking to, yeah, it doesn't mean you can't talk to people, but talk to God. Bring him in on the actual conversation. And he says, praying when? Yeah. Some of you, how many of y'all are praying for the rapture right now? God, please come back, man. So, because Pastor Eddie's preaching a long time. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, come back and rescue us. It'd be unspiritual to walk out. No, just, but literally, praying at all times. Now, look at this next part, with all prayer, okay? Um, and we'll get in the spirit in a minute here. But so if I'm going to pray at all times, does that mean I have to be down on my knees with my hands folded? Does that mean I have to lay down face prone? Does that mean that I have to stop everything I'm doing and just give God undivided attention? Is that what it means? No. You know what it means? In fact, when he says with all prayer, you can have quiet prayers. Anybody ever have a quiet prayer? Hey, Steve, have you had a loud prayer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, loud prayer. Any of y'all ever had private prayer? Hey, any of you ever had public prayer? In other words, what he's saying, dude, Pray. Pray together, pray by yourself, pray before, pray during, pray after, pray. But look what he says. He says, praying at all times. That means being in a spirit. That means being in a position where I am God conscious. God, help me catch this wave. God, help me not cook this wave. God, help me if I cook this wave to not make stupid excuses. No, like, you know, but God, being in prayer, being in a spirit of, con- of God consciousness all the time. He wants fellowship with you. Trent, when you pray to God, is he like, even if you've just talked to him, you know, is he like, oh, dang, there's Trent again. No, he's like, Trent, yes, I added that wind to blow your disc in the water. Yes, so you would talk to me. Awesome. Oh, no, wait, that was Benjamin over at Rotary Park. I remember that one. But anyways, praying at all times in the spirit. You know what in the spirit means? Literally what in the spirit means is it means the Holy Spirit of God is giving you the desire and ability to pray for what you ought to pray. Hey, somebody who's got a Bible, open up to Romans 8.26 for me, please. 8.26 real quick. And, and then I'm gonna need somebody to read it. Oh, some of y'all are like, oh, you introverts are like, the first one's open, you're gonna be the first one to go. April, you got it, 8.26? Yeah. All right, go ahead. What version you got? I can handle them all. Now, it ain't a Jehovah Witness Bible, is it? All right, good. All right. We're, I'm messing with you because God rescued her out of that, delivered her out of that, and praise God. Amen? All right, so yeah, 826. Okay, okay, hang on. I'm going to interrupt you a bunch of times. Likewise, it says the Spirit of God helps us in our weakness. How many of y'all got weakness? And how many of y'all need the Spirit's help? How many of y'all ever been in a position where you don't even know what to pray for, but you know you need to pray? Uh, amen. Go ahead, the next one. Okay, time out, time out, time out. The Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't even know what to pray. Y'all ever been there? Dude, your kid does something just insanely stupid. You're just like, I don't even know how to pray for this. God, what do I do here? That's what I did yesterday with Milton. I'm there. I'm like, God, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know what to do. And I can tell you I shared the story because God showed up 
And he's going to be one of the greatest prayer warriors in this season. So the, we don't even know how to pray, but go ahead. Okay, okay. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us. Intercede means the Holy Spirit of God living in me prays to God the Father. <laughs> Get that. You, I mean, do you think God the Father and God the Holy Spirit have pretty good communication, y'all? Yeah, God the Father. Now, wait a minute. What is it? Oh, wait a minute. You're not. No, dude, they're one. And they live in, He lives inside of me, so He takes my prayers and lifts them up to God the Father. Go ahead, sorry. Okay, groaning's too deep for words. In other words, all I can do is groan, dude. <laughs> but really what that means is when the Holy Spirit and God the Father are talking, we don't even need to know what they're saying. What he's doing is he's taking our desires and lifting them up to God in such a way that they're according to God's will. And then God the Father goes through the Holy Spirit to talk to us about getting our desires according to the Father's will. Praying in the Spirit is praying according to the Father's will. And the Holy Spirit is the mediator doing that in prayer, according to Romans 8, 26. So don't just, oh, God, I don't even know what to pray. Holy Spirit, please help me out. Help me on this, you know? And, and, and so, Julie, do you have even a clue? Do you have some issues in life where you have a clue how to pray? Good. That's awesome. How many of y'all wish you were like Julia, where you had circumstances, you have no clue how to even pray? Anybody want to be like Julia? You should, because you know what? I think a lot of things you think you know how to pray, you really don't. It's when it's a Holy Spirit, he's the expert, and he's the one. And so supplication is coming back down. Prayer is going up. Supplication is where we're having that conversation with God, and he works it all out. How many of y'all ever want, really felt like you want to do something stupid, like bust somebody, you know? God, you, you send a lightning bolt and part their hair, give them a new hairdo. You ever feel that way about somebody? Come on. Yeah, all right, good. Thank you. You ever felt that way about somebody? Is that right? How many of y'all thought, oh, I can't ask God to do that? But how many of y'all knew it was a bad idea? Who better to talk you out of a bad idea than God? So at that point, you know, instead you go to God. Oh, dearest goddess. Make sure you throw that King James English in, all right? Dearest goddess, almightiest, fatherest, you know, who knowest all that thou knowest and can doest all that thou doest and have a great day. Let me have a good day. No, God's looking down like, shut up. <laughs> Tell me what's on your heart. I brought this situation to give you anxiety so that you would talk to me and we can supplicate. I want to have a conversation with you and I want to talk you out of this incredibly stupid idea. Because if you knew what they wanted me to do for them to you, <laughs> it would be a all-out war. So let me, let me bring peace to both y'all. But y'all both have to supplicate and hang out with me. And then you watch God work it all out. But man, I ain't got time for that. How many of y'all ain't got time for that? Again, make your list. You got on one side, word of God, supplicating with God. And on the other side, make your list of all the other stuff you got to do. And then you look at that list and say, God, this is why you and I have a crappy relationship. This is why you and I, this is why I'm kind of lukewarm. God, this is why. You look at it. Who needs to make the changes? What's more important? What are the real priorities when it's all said and done? So praying at all times in the spirit with all kinds of prayer. And there's the word supplication. Supplication is having that in-depth conversation, that intimacy. And does God, when does God get tired of hearing from you? Does he? 
Never. How many of y'all ever get tired of hearing from somebody? You're like, yeah, you right now, man. I'm almost done. You ever have a conversation and you're like, oh, there they are on the phone. I don't have time for this. Well, it's, uh, it's not me with any of y'all. I, you call, man, I'm, I'm there, dude. Speakerphone. I'm, no, no, I'm desperate. But, but look, God wants supplication. He wants to hang out with you. He wants that. Maybe sometimes if you had more supplication, you'd have less junk in your life for him to have to get your attention. I don't know. But then again, look at this next part. To that end, praying at all times in the Spirit, that's how we put on the armor of God is through prayer, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, he said, in order to be able to do that, you got to do what? What's the first part? Keep alert. Keep alert. Devin, soldier, got to keep alert. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to keep alert. Hey, JT, does an athlete have to keep alert? <laughs> well, he's on the field for sure. Even when he's off the field, got to keep alert. Hey, someone working on a bridge is your company. They got to keep alert. Yeah. Everything you do, you got to keep alert. If you're not alert, you fall asleep and, and bad things happen. So you got to keep alert. You got to be on guard. That's what warfare is. You're always looking to see what God is doing, looking for opportunities. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Man, if you have to learn how to sleep with your eyes open like Scott, man, so people think you're alert. No, I'm just, he's dreaming, he's meditating, chewing the cud of what he just heard, chewing that cud, bring it up. But literally, with all perseverance, with everything you've got, you've got to stay alert because, hey, does Satan punch a little time clock and say, oh, okay, time out, get some sleep, we'll start again tomorrow? No, in fact, usually he punches your time clock right as you're trying to get some sleep, doesn't he? So this alert, so you just stay in a constant state of prayer with God. To this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making, once again, supplication. You see that word supplication? I think that's our word today. Everybody say supplication. Yeah, how many of y'all are going to go home and supplicate? With God. Yeah, supplicate with God. You supplicate with yourself. You supplicate with Facebook. You supplicate with your other people. Supplicate with God. That's what he's saying. Making supplication, and here he says for all the saints. That's praying for each other. And again, one of the best things you can do, if you don't know what to pray about, here, close your eyes, just say, God, who do you want me to pray about? And let him put somebody's head in there. And, 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 and then say, who else do you want me to pray about? Who else do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want? And, and just pray for those folks. But supplicate with God with what's going on with you. Pray. And I'm going to tell you, there's two times where the enemy is going to fight you the hardest. That's when you're trying to read the Word of God and when you're trying to pray. Because if he can keep you from those two things, he can keep you at a level of mediocrity. And he would rather probably have a bunch of mediocre Christians deceiving the world as to what Christianity really looks like than having a bunch of off-the-wall Satan worshipers. He could do more damage to the kingdom that way. So man, be on fire. But if you're going to be on fire, you got to realize that you got to walk in the wealth. You realize you're going to be in warfare. you got to make a commitment to be in the truth. You got to keep that commitment regardless of your thoughts and your feelings and, and your uh, desires. You've got to dig in and you've got to stay in. That's that perseverance. 
you got to be in the Word of God. Every time you get a dart fired, you got to throw the Word back up, the shield of faith, knowing that nothing's changed with your salvation to your sanctification and your glorification. That's all there. Man, you got to keep your head straight. You find yourself getting in your own head, renew your mind, immediately get out of your head and go start reading the Word of God and figure out what it is God wants you to do and do it because He says He saved you to do good works that He's created from the beginning of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thanks for giving us this study. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what anybody gets out of any of this. That's not my job. My job is to simply find out what you want me to say and say it and know that your word does not return void. Father, I am so grateful for this because out of even the last 30 years of how many times I've been able to preach this armor of God, I've never been able to go individually and in depth like this because it just hasn't happened. But Father, you have taught me um, how to really truly be able to apply this to my life. And I pray, Father, that each person here will remember this, apply it to their lives, and then I know it's going to work, so then they're going to share it with others. Father, if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ, and they're just getting beat, if they have a desire, Father, to surrender their lives to you, I pray it'd be a desire they can't refuse, and they would just, out of faith, say, I don't know what's next, but I'm giving you my life, for real. Father, um, pray you'd save somebody today, but I pray that you would use our testimony as a witness to do it. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for even knowing that Milton, in his last hours, in his last season, where everybody's kind of given up, Father, you let me know without a shadow of a doubt that this is going to be a valuable season, a season of prayer. I don't understand why people don't pray. It's free. It's the best deal around. Father, help us take advantage of that so we can put on the armor of God. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.